0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. You know, we're looking at the life of Joseph, Old Testament Joseph. God gave him a dream, and it literally took 13 years for his purpose, his dream to come to pass. And in order for the dream to come to pass, he had to pass these tests. So, we're taking a look at the test he had to pass. We're asking ourselves, what did he have to do in order to pass them? We looked at the pride test. And then last week, Pastor Ryan, our student pastor here, uh, he talked about the purity test. And Pastor Ryan's in Boardman this weekend, helping out over there. And guys in Boardman here in Warren, can we give it up for Ryan? Just say an amazing job. It really was. I really felt it was profound. It was just absolutely amazing. And this weekend, we're going to talk about the prison test and passing the prison test. And the prison test, prison, when Joseph was thrown into prison, it's just referring to the storms of life. Prison tests can be the fears and anxieties that come when we're going through storms. It can be financial. Right now, as a nation, as a people, we're going through some financial challenges. Gasoline is at an all-time high, right? And and uh, inflation's uh, really high right now. And so we're all, you know, having to trust God. And I'm so glad He's the God that supplies our needs according to his ability. But uh, we're going through a storm, a little financial storm right now. There's physical storms when you go to the doctor and you find out you have a problem or situation. There's relational storms when you have a relationship that's shaky or maybe you lose someone that you love and adore. And there's all these different prisons that we're thrown into. And we wanna find out what did Joseph do to survive in prison? And it wasn't even fair why he was thrown into prison. Um, His brothers threw him in a pit. He was sold as a slave. He becomes Potiphar's slave in Egypt. Potiphar is the captain of the guard in Egypt, so he's a big shot. And Joseph becomes his slave, and the Bible says God showed him favor. Potiphar loved him, and Potiphar gave him the keys to the house and said, I want you to run my household. So uh, he's in the best place he can be. Still a terrible place, but it's the best place he could be. God's blessing him even in that place, but then Potiphar's wife, as we heard last week, she tried to force herself on him, he said no, and uh, he, he rejected that, he passed the purity test, but she falsely accused him to her husband, and it caused him to be thrown into prison. And take a look at what happened, it's Genesis 20, 39, 19. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he, he burned with anger, and I could see where a husband would burn with anger at this time. Verse 20 reads, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And we'll read the second half of this in just a little bit. But take a look at what happened to him. Uh, His life was terrible, but it was as good as it could be. But now he's thrown into the king's prison. And I read this maybe six weeks ago uh, in a lesson just to show us that no matter what's going on, no matter what atmosphere you live in, God can bless you in that atmosphere. But think about where he's at, the king's prison. This is where the king put people to suffer that he didn't like. It was a special prison. It's a prison, according to historians, where they tortured the prisoners. It was an awful place. It was a place you did not wanna be. The warden had to be the most nasty, mean person you could ever meet because he inflicted suffering on people. So that's where he's thrown. But as we study his life, If he was in Potiphar's house for a year, he was in prison for 12 years, and he passed this prison test. He he did an incredible job, and I wanna talk about what he did to pass this test, Uh, and it's the same thing we can do. So I came up with a big idea for this lesson, and our big idea goes like this. When life locks you up, it's time to ramp it up, and we're gonna talk about four things we need to ramp up. This is what I want you to remember, understand more clearly than you've ever understood it. And everyone listening to my voice, you either have been into a storm, a terrible place in life, a fight, or you're in one right now, or one of them will hit us somewhere in the future. I'm not trying to be negative, but we live in a dying, fallen world, right? So we're going to need to know what to ramp up. And there are certain temptations that come when we fall into prison. I can tell you in, in, regarding my life, there are certain things I don't feel like doing when I'm in the middle of a storm. And there are certain things I wanna do. I, sometimes I wanna blame God. Sometimes I wanna say, God, why, why weren't you there? Why did why it did let me down? Sometimes I have a lot of doubts flood my mind. And guys, that's normal, that's normal. That's why we need to remind ourselves when life locks it up, we need to ramp it up in these four areas. And you may not feel like it, but I want to make you a promise. It will help you make it through, and it will help you come out better, not bitter. So we want to learn how to ramp it up in these four areas. The first area, uh, it goes like this. This is the first thing we want to ramp up. Don't stop looking up. And that's a temptation. The Bible says we look up to where our help comes. That's God. We don't want to stop looking to God. But sometimes you feel like blaming God, like, God, why didn't you come through? God, wasn't, why wasn't my prayer answered? We all go through that. And as a young pastor, Joe, I used to try to figure out the whys. I just, you know, I'm analytical, so I like to know the whys. And After a couple years of that, I realized, you know what, there's just some things we're not gonna understand until we go to heaven. But there are some things we can figure out, right? There are promises God's made, and we'll talk about those promises. And so I like to focus on what he's promised, and I like to learn how to deal with the failures the right way. And one of the things we wanna do is we wanna make sure we don't stop looking up. And there's a beautiful scripture in the book of Hebrews that talks about God and what God wants to do when you're going through the toughest times in your life. And it's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, and it reads like this. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. And Jesus is called many things, you know. He's called the coming king. There's somewhere in the future where he's going to come back to the earth and set up his kingdom. I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to that. He's gonna rule in the earth. And the Bible says we have the privilege of ruling with him as Christians. That's going to be a fun time. But there's certain things we all look forward to during that time. One of my most favorite things is I wanna know every secret. Like I wanna know who killed JFK. I have to know. Who killed him? And Jesus is gonna let us know. He's gonna uncover anything. I'll tell you, how about this? You could listen to one news and they say, this is what's going on. You listen to another news channel, they say, no, it's the exact opposite. Who's right? Sometimes I have no idea who's right. But when Jesus comes, we're gonna know the truth. He's gonna uncover. He's gonna uncover every secret. That's gonna be fun. Plus, He's gonna roll and reign and He's gonna be fair. I'm looking forward to the coming king. He's the lamb of God that died for our sins. So he's the one that delivered us and shed his blood for us. And that's pretty exciting. But you know what else he is? He's your high priest. And a high priest in the Bible, they're the ones that stand between us and the Father. They're the ones that intervene for us. And Jesus is literally in that high priest office. That means he prays for you. That means he's there for you, no matter what you're going through. And I love the emphasis that's given. So I'm glad he's the Lamb of God. I'm glad he's the coming King, but I'm really glad he's the high priest because that's what I need right now. Verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So he, he passed them all. But what I love is what I highlighted. He understands our weaknesses. So Jesus always existed. He came into a human body, so it's a body like ours. And he felt every pain you feel. He went through really tough times. You know, when he was a young man, his stepfather died, and he had to take over the family business. That had to hurt. He had other loved ones in his life that also died. That had to hurt. He, he felt everything. The enemy tempted him to sin in all kinds of ways, but temptation's not a sin unless we give in to it. He was without sin, but he knows. There had to be times when he had thought, uh, thoughts of doubt, thoughts of where, why did this happen? Why is this going on? That was the human side of him and he had to overcome those things. So what I like about this is God understands what we're going through. That's important. Jesus understands, which means we can go to him. And here's the next thing that's said, verse 16. So let us, the Christians, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Some translations say the throne of grace. I like that too. Why are we going to go to God in prayer? Well, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So when we're thrown in prison, we need grace the most, right? When we're going through the big test, we need grace the most. And I love how he says, we'll also find mercy. I don't know about you, but I've gone through a lot of troubles in this life that I caused myself. It was just literally my fault. And so that's when I go to God and say, hey, I blew it, and I'm so glad his mercies are new every morning. So every morning, he forgives us. Every time you go to him, he forgives you. So that's pretty cool, because I need to get that slate clean, right, in my conscience. But what I love is he wants to give us grace. So if you were to ask me the definition of this Greek word translated as grace, I would say it depends. Scholars would tell you it depends. If, if you're talking to someone that's not a Christian who just becomes a Christian. It's God's unmerited favor. It's God's grace. You can't work for your salvation. He, He bought it for you, and you simply believe. But once we're a Christian, the scholars say the best definition of this word is God's ability that supersedes our ability. And I like that, because in the time of need, I'm going to heaven saying, God, I feel like quitting. God, this really hurts. God, I need help. God, I need delivered. Whatever it is, and I'm asking God to help me and God says, "I will put a grace on you, and my grace will supersede your ability. I'll literally give you my ability." So that's why we don't want to stop looking up. That's where our help comes from. Now, the children of Israel, God delivers them out of Egypt, and in their defense, the scriptures weren't written yet, so they had no scriptures. So, man, I, I've got to hand it to them; I, they did decent for no scriptures. But uh, here they are in a desert. And they became thirsty, and they had nothing to drink in this hot and parched land. And they began to grumble. They began to complain. They went to Moses. They said, why did you bring us out here? Did you bring us out here so we could die of thirst? And they began to say, it'd be better to go back to Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They were told to make bricks with less straw. And they just, they beat them, and they whipped them. And they said, we'd rather go back there. And they're complaining, so God shows up. It's a beautiful story. Um, But here's what he says at the end. And this is what we wanna make sure we don't do when we're in a storm like they were. And it says this in Exodus 17, 7, and he called the place Maza and Meribeth because the Israelites quarreled. And that just means to quarrel, to fight. They complained. And because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? And, and that's the tendency I have, others have, is to blame God. And God's just saying, don't do that. That's a mistake Israel made. We have the scriptures. Don't stop looking up. God wants to help you. He wants to walk you through it. And here's what's really cool. I read the first half of Joseph's prison story in verse 20. But you know what God can do for you and I when we're going through the storms of life? He can literally bless us and bring things into our life that we need while we're walking through the darkest times we're going through. And many of us have watched God do that. And it's absolutely amazing. I've watched him do it in my life. I've watched him rescue me and bring help to me in the toughest times. That's why we don't want to stop looking up. And I want to show you what he did for Joseph. This is amazing. Again, I read it maybe six weeks ago for another message, but Genesis 39, 20, second half. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And guys, I love to read what historians say. This warden had to be one of the meanest, grumpiest guys. I always imagine a stocky guy with a beard that's not shaved, smoking a cigar, like a little small cigar, and cussing every other word. And just as mean as can be, this guy had to be so mean. And the Bible says God literally put it on this man's heart to show Joseph favor. He put the favor of God on him. Right in the middle of the prison, he's still in prison, but uh, look what happened. Verse 22 So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. He ran the prison. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So he's going through a storm, but God blessed him nonetheless. And I want you to think about what this is saying. The warden gave him the keys. He's a prisoner. Not only is he a prisoner, he's not Egyptian. He's he's a Jew. They hated the Jews. So the Egyptians hated the Jews. He's a Jew. He's a a slave. And now he's in the king's prison. And Potiphar said, rough him up, be mean to him, torture him extra. And God just causes this guy to treat him with favor. And the guy gives him the keys. And this warden's golfing till 1, 1 p.m., man. He's golfing. He, he's not doing anything. Joseph ran the entire prison, which means he's in the air-conditioned office, so to speak, right? He's having a great time. And I want to say to you, no matter what you're going through, don't stop looking up. Look to God. Pray. Ask God to intervene, because God can even bless you while you're going through the toughest times in your life. So don't stop looking up. Here's the next one. Don't stop filling up. And You know, I'm assuming the way I wrote this that uh, we're all filling up on the Word of God, but some of you are new. You don't understand how to do that, and I'm talking about filling up on the Scriptures because the bible says they're alive and they're powerful they give us hope and they're just amazing and you might ask how do i fill up on the scriptures well you're doing it right now you listen to the bible being taught so i'm i'm very proud of you on this cold wintry day here you are right with an hour loss of sleep you're still here and and everybody came on time that's absolutely amazing right so so there's that but, but then you read the Bible. So I always encourage people, I like to read through the Bible in a year. And so I just use a program on my phone. And, uh, and it tell you what, every year I see something I didn't see before, so it's absolutely amazing. And it fills you up. But the number one way we fill up with the Scriptures is we meditate on them. And the Bible talks from cover to cover about meditating on scriptures. And you might think that's hard, but it's the easiest thing ever. You find a scripture with a promise, usually something you need for what you're going through, like I'll never leave you or or forsake you scriptures, whatever it is. And you just simply read that scripture every morning when you wake up. You read it halfway through the day, and then you read it before you go to bed. And within a a couple days, you'll memorize that scripture. And that's how you fill up with it. Now, listen to what your, your New Testament says. This is what the Bible says. Colossians 3.16. Let or allow the word of Christ, the Bible, to richly dwell within you. So how do you do it? Hear it taught. Read the Bible. Think about it meditate on some scriptures. And it goes on to say, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So it's going to enable you to exhort other people. So we put it inside of us, and it does these miraculous things. I'm going to show you three things it will do. And then when we look at number three here in just a moment, it also is the way we put our armor on, and that's really important. So take a look at Proverbs 6.22. When you go, they, the words of your parents' God. So this is Solomon's mom and dad teaching him the scriptures. So it's just the Bible. And it says, when you go, they shall lead you. The Bible says that, that it is a lamp under our feet. So it's going to give us direction. It's going to show us how to react. I, I need help knowing how to react because I typically want to react in a negative way. So I need to know how do I react in this situation. It's going to show you when you sleep, they shall keep you. This is the peace of God and it will give you peace. And you can walk through any storm and still have peace. That's why you want to keep filling up. Don't stop filling up. And when you're awake, they shall talk with you. And that just simply means the scriptures will exhort you. So don't stop looking up. Don't stop filling up. These are really important things. And the next thing is, don't give up. And I have been in a couple storms where I wanted to give up. It was tough. I I say it this way. I say, you know, like a guy like me, but uh, some storms knock you on your dupa, right? They just knock you down. It's like a sucker punch. And if you've ever been sucker punched, I've had it happen in sports and that's when you're hit here and you can't breathe. You feel like you're going to die, but you can't even take a breath. It's one of the most awful things. And sometimes a storm hits your life and that's that's what it feels like. It's an awful feeling. And I'm tempted to give up. And some storms are so big and massive. I've only had a couple, but they were a couple that were big and massive. And it's like, you get these thoughts, I'm going to just give up. I'm going to stop following God. Um, I'm going to stop Doing this, I'm going to stop doing that. I just want to quit. God, this is hurt. this is painful, and that happens to us. And the last thing we want to do is give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. And I love what this scripture says, guys. This is what happens when you meditate on scriptures too. Ephesians six thirteen. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you'll be able to resist the enemy. In the time of evil, the devil who's our enemy doesn't bring every problem, but with every problem, he brings negative thoughts, like this is God's fault. God lets you down. you should quit. You should give up. You're never going to get out of this. It's never going to end. And so we need we need that armor, right? It goes on to say, then after after the battle, you will still be standing firm and stand your ground. And that's really the heart of God. He doesn't want you to quit. He wants you to stand firm. And he gives us some armor. I want to just emphasize two pieces. Verse 16, in addition to all these other pieces, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on, put on salvation as your helmet. That's the peace that comes. We talked about it earlier. And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I love what he's saying here. This is a look at someone not quitting, not giving up. They keep praying. They keep believing what God said. They keep following God. And that can be tough at first. Sometimes we need to recover. But that's the picture he's painting. Don't quit. And I want to encourage you not to quit. I was at a pastor's conference in January, and they asked me to teach a lesson. And I taught this lesson about how to handle failure because I think that's one of the most difficult things to handle where you have a failure in your life. And when you have a prayer failure, I don't know about you, but you don't feel like praying anymore. It's like, uh, is it gonna work? It didn't work this time, right? And we have all these failures in our life. So I was just teaching a group of pastors how to handle failure. And I gave them the example that I've given you over the years and I wanna restate it. I like to say it at least six times a year, and I try to fit it in a message, but it helps me. I, I need this image in my life. And I used the example of a professional baseball player. So if you're a professional baseball player, you're the best at baseball. I mean, just to make it, you're the best. But then they have what they call all-stars, and they're the best of the best. And I was looking at the batting average years ago of an all-star, and they're somewhere like 280. To 310. That's the batting average. And when you understand what the batting average is, it's amazing to think they're all-stars, right? And it's amazing to think they keep going to home plate and they keep swinging. But a 300 batting average is mean, simply means this. They make it to base 30% of the time. Or three out of ten times they get the base, which means seventy percent of the time they either strike out, fly out, or they're tagged out. They don't get the base. Then they have to take what I call the walk of shame. You know, from the plate uh, to the dugout, and it's like, oh gosh, you know, you got struck out. Whatever it is, it's the walk of shame. And many of us have taken that walk in life, right? It doesn't feel good, the walk of shame. But here's what I love about these baseball players: they keep coming to the plate. They Don't stop the next time it's their turn, they get back on the plate, they've got the bat in their hand, and they swing. And every you know, eventually, they get a hit, they get on base. Sometimes, they get a double, sometimes, they get a triple. Sometimes, the bases are loaded, and they hit a grand slam, a home run with the bases, and four, four, four runs come in. But here's what I love about them they keep swinging, and God is wanting you to begin to keep swinging, to never quit, keep praying, keep grabbing the promises of God, keep believing what God has said in the word of God. Don't quit. So guys, keep looking up. Don't stop looking up. Don't stop filling up and don't quit. And the next one's really fun. You ready for the next one? Don't shut up. Don't you dare shut up. Now, when I was a young boy... My dad had a nickname. It was an Italian for me. It's one of many. Um, some might have been swear words, but uh, Italian swear words, though. Uh, they sounded better. But, but he, he used to call me a cacaroon. And, and a cacaroon, I, and, and it probably was his dialect from southern Italy, Calabria. But a cacaroon means you never stop talking. He just, he'd just he go, you're a chacharoon. Shut up, Joe. You're a chacharoon. Because whenever I got in trouble, I wanted to argue. I would just argue. I would never stop arguing. And I wanted him to hear my point, or I wanted to uh, just jive out of a problem. And so just called me a chacharoon. And I had to shut up so many times as a kid. But I'm so glad God doesn't want us to shut up. Now, he does want us to say specific things, but he doesn't want us To shut up, right? And the biggest mistake we could ever make when we're going through a tough time, a storm, a prison is to shut up. And here's what I mean. There are certain things God says, I want to keep coming out of your mouth. And I love the way it's written in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Listen to verse 16. Rejoice always. This is one thing. Never shut your mouth, keep rejoicing. Philippians 4:4 says this: rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And I love the emphasis. You're not rejoicing in your problem. To rejoice means to praise and to worship. And what he's saying is, guys, focus on what God has done for you. Focus on a victory you had, something he did good in your life, or focus on what he did just to save you and restore you, how good he is and how awesome he is, about his mercy, how many times he's forgiven us, right? And it just means to rejoice no matter what you're walking through. And then it says, pray without ceasing. That's what we just talked about. Keep going to the plate. But then verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And I love this phrase. He's not saying thank me for all your problems, but he's saying no matter what you're walking through, don't shut up. Keep giving thanks. Don't shut up keep worshiping. Over in Borman, you guys had awesome worship today. Well, that's rejoicing. We had awesome worship here. TCI, you guys had awesome worship there. It just simply means we're going to worship. We're going to give uh, thanks to God. But then as we walk through our days, it's so easy to be negative. It's so easy to, to focus on the negative. And when I watch the news and I see what's going on with gas prices, the thing I like to walk away with, and I have to make sure I don't say the wrong things but i like to walk away just thanking god that he supplies all of our needs he supplies all of your needs he's the god that supplies our needs according to his ability doesn't matter when we live or where we live he's the god that supplies all of our needs so you don't want to shut up and there's a story in the bible it's an old testament story has to do with king jehoshaphat he was the king of judah And remember, Israel split into Israel and Judah. He was a really good king. And he's just serving God with his whole heart, minding his own business, loving God. And three nations attacked him. So they attack him, and he's scared out of his mind. It's okay to have doubt. It's okay to be scared. And he goes and he says, God... They're going to kill us. We can't fight these guys. And he just says, God help us. He kept looking up. God help us. God help us. And then God sent a prophet to him. Back in the Old Testament, prophets would come and say, thus saith the Lord. And here's what the prophet said. The prophet said, I want you to take the boardman worship team. I want you to take the traditional worship team. And I want you to take the Warren Campus worship team. And I want you to put them in front of the soldiers, Everybody was excited except the worship team, right? Like the soldiers are like, we have human shields. This is awesome, right? And here's what he said. I said, I want you to march towards those three nations, those three armies. And he says, I want the worship team in front, and I want them to worship me. And that's what he said to Jehoshaphat. Can you all agree that had to take some faith, right? I mean, that took some faith. And he went ahead and took what God said, and God's painting a beautiful picture for us, and so he puts the worship team in front, and they're going towards the armies, and as they're walking towards the army, they're worshiping, and I just wanna show you what your worship can do. You know, the Bible says God inhabits our worship. It brings peace to our minds, but it also releases God to fight in your behalf and to work behind the scenes, and, and this is the, the fourth thing we have to do. Don't stop looking up. Don't stop filling up. Don't give up, and don't shut up. Listen, Second Chronicles 20, 21. After he had advised the people, he appointed people to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the beauty of his holiness. As they went in front of the troops, they sang, thank the Lord because his mercy endures forever. So they're just worshiping. This is one of the many things they worshiped with. And just think about that sight. Think about when you're in prison, you're going through a tough time in your life. Just think about putting the worship songs on in your car, at home, coming to church and saying, you know what? I don't like where I'm at, but there's one thing I'm going to do. I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to worship God with everything I have. And watch what happened. Verse 22, as they started to sing praises, the Lord set ambushes. And you know, it doesn't say what kind they were, but if we read other places where God set ambushes, the ground could have opened up. He could have had Swarms of bees and wasps come and chase them away. Uh, Hailstones could have fell. I don't know what he did, but he set ambushes. And then it says, against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the people of Mount Seir, these are the three nations that attacked him, who had come into Judah, they were defeated. So they're already defeated, but then listen to this. Then uh, the Ammonites and the Moabites attacked the people of Mount Zir, and they annihilated them. So they began to fight each other. There was such confusion. After they had finished off the people of Zir, they helped destroy one another. And so they were defeated. Israel never raised a sword, never shot an arrow, never threw a spear. And the worshipers were just worshiping but it released God to work in their behalf. That's why I'm saying don't shut up, man. The last thing you feel like doing is giving God thanks when you're going through a terrible time. Well, find something positive to thank him about and worship him and magnify him because that releases him to do great things. Listen to verse 24. The people of Judah went to the watchtower in the desert, so they come upon the battle. They had someone go up into the watchtower and look for the crowd. Corpses were lying on the ground. No one had escaped, so now they see it all. Verse 25, when Jehoshaphat and his troops came to take the loot, they found among them a lot of goods, clothes, and valuables. They found more than they could carry. They spent three days collecting the loot. It's pretty cool to win a battle and never, yeah. never fire a shot. Yeah. And what God's saying to you is, don't shut up. And I know for some of you, this might be something you've never done. You you may have never given thanks as you walk through a tough time. You may have never said, I'm going to put on a worship song. And I know I don't feel like it. I know I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to keep looking up. I'm going to keep filling up. I'm not going to quit. And I'm not going to shut up. And guys, it releases God to even fight in our behalf. And that's pretty, pretty cool. How did Joseph passed the prison test. He did these four things. So I want to do a little exercise today. I left a couple of minutes to do this. And for some of you, it might be awkward, but we're all doing it together. I want you to hear your voice with your ears. So, uh, you know, you, you don't have to get too loud in case you're a little bit, you know, who's going to hear me, but we're all going to be doing it, right? Everybody's doing it anyway. So why not do it, right? guys? <laughs> I'm going to do it. You're going to hear my voice, but I, I want I want you to catch it. I just want to help you catch it because uh, you know I'm telling you to do it, but I want you to experience it for just a minute, right? So, can we close our eyes right now? And guys, can we look up? Can we look up? And and right now, some of you need to do this first. Uh, you need to just ask God to help you. Can you can you give them the things that are bothering you the most? Whatever it is, the storm you're going through. And can you just say, God, I wanna give this to you and and, and I need you to give me grace. I need you to give me ability to walk through this. I need you to help me. I need you to deliver me. Would you just let them know what you need? You can whisper that. God, I need this. I need this. I need your help. Just see yourself going to the high priest and he says, I'm gonna help you and give you grace in your time of need. Grace is coming. Grace is being released right now in every one of our lives. Do that online. Do that in Boardman. Do that uh, at TCI campus. Let's, let's just give him the grace give, or ask him for the grace we need. So our eyes are closed. We're looking up. I'm telling you to close your eyes because I, I become distracted if my eyes are open. So that's why I close my eyes. I, I, I notice everything. So I need, I need to close them. But I want you to imagine you're right in front of the throne of God. And, and then I want you to do what I'm about to do. In your way, however that is, we don't have to sing, but can you give thanks to God and let your ears hear it? Let your ears hear it. So just follow my suit. Think of something you can thank God for. He saved your soul. He delivered you. He gave you heaven as a home, right? I mean, there's a lot to thank him for. Think about that one thing that he came through, one thing that he, he delivered you from, whatever it is but think about his mercies and how they endure forever. Think about how he forgave you of all your sins. Think about all the things he did for you. So now let's raise our voices. We're looking up to God. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for walking through every storm. Thank you for holding our right hand in the midst of the battles that we're walking through. Thank you that you're the God that comforts us in all of our need. Thank you, Father, for delivering us from every evil work. Thank you, God, for all the wonderful promises in the Bible. Thank you for never leaving us and never forsaking us. Thank you for supplying all of our needs according to your ability. We magnify and glorify and worship our God. A couple more minutes. Let your ears hear it now. Thank you, Lord God. We magnify and glorify you. Holy is our God and worthy to be praised. we give you thanks and we give you honor Lord. We make a decision today not to not to shut up. we're going to praise you and magnify you. We're going to glorify you. we're going to keep looking up, Lord God. we're going to keep filling up, we're not going to quit, but we're going to look to our God and Father as we give thanks, I thank you that you're working in our behalf. I thank you that you're working in behalf of every person listening to my voice, Lord God. and I thank you Lord, as we walk through this week, remind us, Lord, No matter how upset we are, no matter how worried we are, no matter how bothered we are, remind us, Lord, that we can lift our voice and we can give thanks for the good things of God, the, the awesome things of God, the salvation that you've given us. Thank you that we're going to heaven when we die, Lord God. Thank you for our new bodies. Thank you for all that you've done. Guys, let's finish out by just giving it up to God, man. Let's give it up. Let's thank him. We magnify, we glorify, we worship your name, Lord God. You are awesome and mighty. Now, that makes you feel better too, doesn't it? It's just absolutely amazing. Hey, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I wanna pray one more prayer before we go. Lord, thank you. Lord, as we go through the week, man. Oh, Father, remind us, don't stop looking up. Don't stop filling up. Don't quit. Don't shut up. Remind us, Lord. Let these four phrases come into our mind. Lord, we thank you that even as we gave thanks, you began to work in the behalf of these dear people. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Lord, we thank you that even when we're going through tough times, your favor can come upon our life and walk us through it and even bless us in other ways as we're walking through our storms. Thank you, Lord God. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. One of the greatest things in the world is to become a Christian, and then after that, to follow God and become one of the disciples of Jesus. Disciples do these four things, and they're absolutely revolutionary in our lives. And so heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Right now, I'm not gonna ask you to join our church or our religion, I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if your water baptizes baby or an adult. I'm not asking you if you believe in God or don't believe in God. Here's what I'm asking. Most important question in the universe. That's pretty cool. The most important question in all the universe, what have you done with Jesus? Jesus died so you can live. And after he died, God raised him up from the grave. He was the son of God who always existed, came into a human body. He was nailed to a tree. He died physically. We'll be celebrating this resurrection in just a couple weeks on Easter weekend. And guys, he is the God who died and God raised from the dead for you. And he said, whoever believes in me will not perish, but I'll give them the gift of eternal life. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Can you remember a day when you said, Jesus, I accept you as savior. And if you can't, would you do it right now? Would you pray with me? And the rest of us, can we help them in Borman, here in Warren, TCI, online, help them out? Just say this after me Say, Father, I realize I was born sin stained and I need a Savior. I repent of my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins in all the world. I believe God raised you from the dead. I accept you as my savior. And I make a decision today to follow you. Amen.